Before the show starts, just a brief reminder that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. I am merely the father of a little girl who has type 1 diabetes who is sharing his experiences with you, hoping that it makes yours a little easier. Never, ever, ever make any changes to any kind of a medical plan without consulting your doctor. Well, I guess it's appropriate that as I'm sitting down to record this episode of the Juice Box podcast, my phone is buzzing and Arden's blood sugar needs attention. I know this because of the new Dexcom share receiver that she's using. Let's get started. This is episode seven of the Juice Box podcast. I'm Scott Benner, and today we are going to talk about the new Dexcom G4 receiver with share. We're going to talk about Dexcom G5, which is the upcoming version of share. I'm going to do a little review. I'm going to do a little overview. We'll chit chat a little bit about uh, glucose monitors. How's that sound? I'm recording this episode on Friday, March 13th. That's not something I would usually want to do date the episode, but it's important for this. So we have been using the Dexcom G4 with share for one week. Showed up at our house last Friday by FedEx and I immediately set it up. Arden came home from school and we had it running within two hours because it does need the two hour warm up period. Immediately. I was like, oh, wow, I guess that cradle upstairs, that Dexcom share cradle is not something I need anymore. And I may have been a tiny bit wrong about that, but I'll talk about that a little later. So the first thing you realize is that this is a game changer. Like, I'm thinking back to pre-glucose monitor for us. You know, I'm even thinking back to to pre-insulin pump. Arden's diagnosed age 2. You know, you get a big handful of needles and some insulin and you're on your way. And the first thing you realize, once once you recognize that the insulin doesn't know when to stop, you know, once that that truth kind of sinks into your soul, you find yourself, at least I did, and I'm sure many of you do too, you find yourself wondering, what's my blood sugar? Where's it headed? When's it going to stop? Is it going to stop too early? Is it going to stop too late? Am I going to get dizzy? not be low enough, you know, is this not enough insulin? And it's this, I used to tell people that very, very soon after Arden was diagnosed, I have this ability to tell you how long it's been uh, since an hour. Like I can time an hour in my head, like it's nobody's business. That used to be my feeling. Like, you know, Arden would eat, we'd give her insulin, and I'd kind of want to know where she was in an hour because I used to, you know, Arden used to use Novolog, and it used to feel like Novolog started peaking around 45 minutes in Arden. And when it started working, you know, w- what was going to happen? So I would test at an hour. And then I'd think about it again. Like maybe, you know, when do I want to know next what her blood sugar is? And, and what I didn't realize at the time, but our nurse practitioner ended up bringing up to us eventually, was that I was acting very much like my own glucose monitor before people really had glucose monitors. So we, we go into the endo's office one time and she looks at Arden's meter for, for all of her, um, you know, for all of her blood sugars. And she's like, Oh my God, they're, they're always so high. Her, you know, her blood sugars are always so high. And I used to tell her, don't pay attention to those numbers. Those are not reflections of how we're taking care of Arden because her, her A1C wasn't terrible, but you'd look and you know, her blood sugar was higher than you would want it to be. 
And she'd be like, why are they always high? I'm like, well, I don't test Arden when I know she's going to be okay or when I have a great feeling that her blood sugar is going to be, you know, in a range where you'd be happy with. Like, I want to see what happened. Like, what did the food do to her system? You know, what's different between, you know, this, this food and that food. And, you know, if I gave her the um, injection 10 minutes before she ate or five minutes before she ate, like, where, where does it go? Like, I always wanted to know, where does it go? Like, what's it doing when I can't see it? And that's how I feel like I lived my life for a long time with just looking at my daughter, staring at her, trying to imagine what her blood sugar was. Now that ends up being good training because now, you know, that, I mean, that's a game we play around here all the time. If Arden, Arden, you know, uses her meter and to find out what her blood sugar is, she'll always like put it against her chest and look at me and go, what do you think it is? And I very, very, very frequently am within about 15 points. So I do give credit for that horrible pressured time in my life where I was staring at her thinking, oh my God, is she going to drop? Is this too high? You know, what's happening? You know, frantically staring at her, looking for some sort of a clue, which, you know, is never there. I always used to think it was funny. They would tell you, um, dark circles under the eyes can be a sign of low blood sugar. Well, of course it could also be a sign of high blood sugar or a sign of being tired. And I used to stare at my two-year-old wondering like, what do those dark circles mean? Anyway, um, you know, for the most part, it's very difficult to look at somebody and know what their blood sugar is. But it's not difficult to find trends, and it's not difficult to, to teach yourself after a while. This meal, this insulin, I imagine this is about what's going to happen. Now, it's diabetes, so once in a while, you know, factors that you can't possibly, you know, be aware of or know are happening get in the way and, and cause problems. But for the most part, I have found that I can see trends you know, based on what we're doing and how we're doing it. So anyway, at some point, I was testing Arden a lot. I mean, a lot, a lot, like 10, 12, 15 times a day, trying to figure out what was happening. And then one day, I just, you know, online, see somebody using this Dexcom 7. Remember the old receiver kind of looked like a, like a narrow, I, I always thought it looked like, you know, remember when stockings used to come in an egg, like your mom would get stockings in an egg. It always looked to me like a flattened version of that, like little egg. And, you know, that was the first time where I thought, wow, I don't really have to guess anymore. This is, this is wicked. And, and I could see based on what I thought was going to happen, if that's what was happening or not. Then the next version comes out, it's more precise and you think, wow, this is, this is really fantastic. Like, this is a way to, to affect things. You know, I would say that somewhere between when we got the Dexcom the first time and when the newer version came out, that was the time when I was able to really affect Arden's A1C. You know, the first step in affecting Arden's A1C was getting an insulin pump. Like, the Omnipod definitely made it easier to bolus for little items, make small adjustments, that kind of stuff. Um, that was definitely the first step. But I had gotten, you know, an insulin pump got us as low as it got us, probably in the high sevens for an A1C. But then we were kind of stuck there. But the advent of the glucose monitor, the Dexcom, you know, that really, that's how we got down to where we are now. Um, because it allowed me finally to be very aggressive with insulin. You know, I'm not as afraid of insulin anymore. And I'll give you a real world example from yesterday. You know, yesterday, Arden's blood sugar was, it was fantastic. 
all day long. Everything was good. I felt like, yo, we we can't make a mistake today, you know, which then you know something's coming. And then it was like the diabetes gods decided we had had too much luck that day. And her Dexcom um, site fails. You know, we get the three question marks. And it was right. It had been on over two weeks. Um, so it was right. It, it, it was right to go. I, I don't mind it lasting that long. And as that happens, no lie, we're getting to the end of her insulin pump site. And you know, at the end of the insulin pump site, sometimes you start getting higher blood sugars. So we don't mess around. We change the Dexcom CGM. We start the warm-up period. I test her blood sugar. She had just eaten. And like I said, the, the insulin pump was struggling. So she was like 240. But we were on our way out the door to uh, an indoor softball practice. So I said to her, let's just bolus a half a unit here um, to try to kind of knock this 240 down. Like if we can get home from softball practice an hour from now and you're 170, I'll be happy as long as we're not sitting at softball the whole time wondering if your blood sugar is falling too fast. It's a good plan. And then we're going to change the insulin pump later tonight. That was the idea. Because it was holding on. It just wasn't doing a great job anymore. I don't know if that makes sense to everybody, but we felt like we had a little more time. We wanted to get her home, let her take a shower, and, and put her insulin pump on kind of fresh. So she goes to the, the the softball practice, comes back. I said, all right, you know, CGM's about another 45 minutes from being warmed up. Let's test here. And she tests, and her blood sugar is 475. Now, we don't see numbers like that ever, almost. But... We don't see numbers like that because of the CGM, because if she starts going up, we would have done something about it. So it's a good example of what the CGM does for you. It would have stopped some unforeseen high. You know, um, of course, you know, two diabetes things at the same time happen with the CGM needing to be reset and the pump kind of given out at the same time, which sucks. But my point is, is that I got that 475 back down much faster because of the Dexcom, right? Because of having a CGM. Now that's something, you know, you wouldn't want to be, I wouldn't have been insanely aggressive with insulin at 475. I mean, I would have been aggressive, but you would have been very worried about going the wrong way and getting too low and not knowing it or having to test a thousand times over the next two hours or whatever. So we swapped the pump and injected insulin with a needle. And I injected a lot of insulin in the needle knowing that 45 minutes later the CGM was going to come online and we could start following the, the, you know, the fall of her blood sugar with the CGM. And that is exactly what happened. So it's a good example. It's a good real-world example of, of how the, the Dexcom allows you to be aggressive uh, with insulin. And being aggressive with insulin is how we're able to keep Arden's blood sugar more where we want it. Prior to the CGM, there's just no way I would have like I wouldn't have seen a 180 number an hour after eating and been like okay well I need to inject more insulin now and been blind you know as to what was happening I would have been like well let's let the insulin play itself out and you know 2 hours and 30 minutes or 3 hours after the injection on then we'll look again you know then you look again and the blood sugar is still 180 or it's worse it's 250 and now you're injecting insulin again and back in this 3 hour pattern before you know it, it's six hours to get your meal high back to where it belongs. No such thing with a CGM. 
bang. First of all, you can pre-bowl us like crazy with the CGM. It, dinner time is at 5 o'clock, and at 4.30, your blood sugar is 150. I'm telling you right now, if I'm positive I'm eating at 5 o'clock, I bolus the whole meal a half an hour before it's going to happen. Not the whole thing. You know, so I'd be comfortable giving Arden her, you know, her entire meal bolus a half an hour before dinner if we were in our house comfortable, I knew the food was coming, and, you know, if I was in control. But even if we were out in a restaurant, I would, I'd throw that bolus on 15 or 20 minutes before because my goal, my hope would be that when that food comes out, that we're, we're falling already, that that 150 is falling. I'd love to see a 150 be a 90 by the time you're eating and not just a 90 but a 90 falling so that by the time the food hits and starts working, blood sugar is around 75 and then carbs and insulin are now fighting with each other and you kind of drift up gently to you know 110 or something like that. And that is how it works. If you've got, you know, the predictive nature of the CGM and the visual aspect and you can see what's been happening, an absolute fantastic implement. So it's great. I can't say enough, but now it's greater. So obviously being connected is the way of the world. You know, we're all connected with our phones and, you know, with everything, you know, you're sitting on your sofa, you see an actress walk by a screen. Somebody's like, was she in something? And five seconds later, someone in the room's like, oh my God, yeah, she was in this show. You know, you can, there's nothing you can't do, find, see, touch anymore with the internet and a cell phone. And obviously Dexcom knows that and have been working hard towards getting a share receiver to the market that works in the cloud. So we're going to start, start by speaking very rudimentary about this in case you're just coming on. So, you know, the site you put on for your Dexcom, it's, you know, it's a little kind of like saddle, like plastic saddle with some adhesive on it. The, um, has a wire in it that goes underneath the skin. And then you click in the transmitter. This transmitter sends a signal to the receiver and you would look down at your receiver and see what my blood sugar was. And that's how it started out. Now the receiver sends a signal to your cell phone. Now, at the moment, it's just iPhone stuff. It's iOS. So iPod, um, iPad, iPhone, as long as they're internet connected, this works. So from that little wire into that transmitter, from that transmitter into your receiver, from that receiver to your cell phone, from your cell phone to a cloud server that Dexcom manages, from the cloud server back down to any other iPhone, iPod. Now that's crazy because now your mom upstairs or your friend across the street or whoever you want to see your blood sugar can see it remotely. It's a tool that I believe when used, I don't want to say correctly, but when you use it without being fanatical about it, this is going to make a real, a real improvement to your life with type one, especially if you're the parent you know, or, you know, an adult living alone, you know, these are, these are, these are fantastic moments. Okay. So it seems a little convoluted, but it's really not. I know you're going from the, you know, from the transmitter to the receiver, from the receiver to the phone, from the phone to the cloud, from the cloud to a phone. It sounds like a lot, but man, I got to tell you, it sets up as easy as could be. It really isn't a problem at all. Um, you know, there's an app on the app store. You download it to the phone. That's going to be near the person wearing the Dexcom device. That's the Dexcom Share app. 
that app, you know, um, links very simply back to the share receiver, which has, uh, which is now speaking to your phone with Bluetooth takes a couple of moments to set up the app. And then the next thing you know, you can invite followers with the Dexcom follow app. So for instance, I have the follow app on my iPhone. My wife has the follow app on her iPhone. Arden has the share app on her iPhone. Uh, you can even run the follow app on the phone that's doing the sharing. So if you're, you know, I'm not 100% sure why you would want to do this, but I guess to keep yourself from having to pull your Dexcom receiver out to see your blood sugar, you, you could. But the Dexcom, the Dexcom share app shows you your blood sugar and your trends, but it doesn't have alarms. So you do need the follow app for that. I hope that's not convoluted. So if you are a person wearing the system, you could have the follow and share app running at the same time if you wanted the alarms to come from your phone. But the alarms come from your receiver. But, you know, I guess you can never have too much. A few months ago, back in October, the Dexcom Cradle came out. And this, this share cradle was really nothing more than something that you would, before the share was built into the receiver, you would take the, your receiver, stick it in the cradle, and the cradle would create the Bluetooth signal that went back to the phone, the phone to the cloud, the cloud to somebody else. Now, my belief is that Dexcom thought there was going to be a long and protracted process between that cradle coming out on the market and when this Dexcom Share 2 receiver was going to be approved. Because it just does not make any sense that they went to the trouble of building, developing, putting to market these cradles, getting them in people's hands. If, you know, November, December, January, February, four months later, this, this next thing was going to be available. So obviously the FDA surprised Dexcom by, by approving the Share 2 so quickly. And we will talk about this in a future podcast, maybe next week when I interview a gentleman from the Night Scout Project, but it, it probably happened so quickly because the FDA saw people who do not work for Dexcom, private citizens who developed the ability to use the CGM in the cloud with, with, with existing equipment. And I think they, because they saw people using it and they saw how effective and needed and necessary it was, it really did speed up the process. And if I'm not mistaken, people from Dexcom have now said publicly that the Night Scout Project really did move things forward quickly for them. So anyway, a lot of us have these cradles and you're like, well, geez, I just paid for this because that was not a medical device. You had to pay $300 for it. What do I do with it? Well, listen, Dexcom saw what was going on. Free upgrade. If you bought the cradle... You upgrade to the share receiver for free. And as a matter of fact, you know, there's a lot of upgrade options available that are all very reasonable. I think the most you'll pay is like $199 to, to do an upgrade. But I will put all of that information um, in a blog post I'm writing um, that will accompany this. So if you go to uh, juiceboxpodcast.com, go to this episode, there'll be links there to, to that exact information about about upgrading and, and the costs and, and how it, how it happens. But anyway, the cradle was, you know, it was, I didn't mind it. I thought it was kind of nice. Actually. I, I realize now looking back, I actually miss having a place to put the receiver at night. You know, right now you have to kind of slide that door open on the side and you plug it in with a cord and then the receiver just sort of lays on a nightstand for us. But I enjoyed that just, the receiver slid so nicely into the cradle. It really felt like I wasn't going to have a problem putting the cord in. You know, it never went in poorly. It always went in nice and straight. 
I think the long and the short of it is I think I wish there was a Dexcom, like, charging stand. Like, I really do think that would be nice. It doesn't have to do anything else except charge the receiver and hold it. But I'd be all for buying a charging stand, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Okay. So Share 2 comes last week. On a Friday, we get it set right up. Set up is as easy as could be. And lucky for us, Arden has a sleepover the next night. Now, our plan before Share 2 got magically approved by the FDA and was out so quickly was Arden was going to take the cradle with her to the sleepover. And I'll tell you that I thought that was a perfect solution. I didn't have a problem in the world with it. But the minute the Share 2 showed up, the receiver that doesn't need the cradle to share to the cloud, I started realizing like, wow, this is so much better for Arden. Why? Because now she doesn't have to show up in front of all of her friends and pull out this like kind of appliance and ask somebody like, where can I plug this in? And then, you know, now, now the receiver comes out of her pocket and she's, she's clicking that into the cradle. And now she's of course restricted by distance because, because, you know, everything's Bluetooth. So first of all, you know, you know, your, your receiver, your Dexcom receiver needs to be within about 20 feet of the transmitter. So within 20 feet of the person, and then the receiver also has to be within about 20 feet of a phone to get the Bluetooth signal. So I realized suddenly like Arden was going to have to go to the, to this sleepover and sort of be like an enigma. Like, Oh, look, that girl had to plug this thing in. Then she had to put this other thing into it and she kind of can't get far away from it. And, you know, suddenly all that was gone, just gone. You know, Arden's got her bag. It's got her, her Dexcoms in it, her, you know, her Omnipod PDMs in it. She's got test strips and a juice box and, you know, that kind of stuff. That bag stays with her. It's a purse. It's a little purse. Um, but suddenly she's mobile again, right? She's not tied down to the, to the, to the cradle. So what I realized is I was going to be texting Arden's blood sugars with her previous to the share coming out. And then we would have used the cradle just for overnight. Cause how would I tie her down during this, you know, hours and hours of evening time where the girls are running around the house. I can't tie her down and say, you know, you need to stay near the cradle, go live your life. We'll text back and forth. And then when you go to sleep, we'll use the cradle. But this really was easier. It was nicer. No way, no way around it. So I dropped Arden off at the, at the sleepover. We actually had a family function to go to that was out of state. So I drove 45 minutes away from Arden and was never out of contact with her. Now, was I constantly looking at my phone? I wasn't. Um, I set alarms on my phone and I abide by them for the most part. I don't find myself checking constantly. I, you know, I, I think if I did that, that w- would end up being unhealthy for me. So, you know, she's got a low, she, she's got a low threshold set. She's got a high threshold set. And when the thing alarms, I look and that that's it. It also helped because this was a sleepover with somebody whose parent was never really involved with diabetes at all. And, you know, even when you sit, wonderful person, you know, as bright as could be, and you start explaining diabetes to them, there is a glazed look that comes over their face. But you start saying, well, above this number or below this number, you know, and all they can think of is, is there anything they can't eat? Like, it's so funny. Every conversation I've ever had is exactly like that. You know, you, you start talking about high numbers and low numbers and when I need to talk to her and, you know, can I have your cell phone number in case she doesn't respond to me? I want to be able to reach out to you and all this stuff. And no matter how much information you give them, how well you lay it out, the next question is always like, you know, can she have the cake? You know, it's just very funny. Um, 
But anyway, had a nice conversation with the mom. I explained the high numbers, the low numbers. But then the next thing I did was took her iPhone, downloaded the follow app onto it, and had Arden send her an invitation from the share app so she could follow along. This was fantastic. It made her comfortable. It made her comfortable. Then suddenly I was more comfortable with her. And I thought, wow, this is really fantastic. Now I set her thresholds differently because, you know, what I said to her was, look, if Arden gets a little high overnight, I don't want you to have to get up for a little high. So I pushed the high threshold on her follow app up higher because they are adjustable. Like for instance, my app alarms when, when Arden's um, blood sugar moves past the thresholds, but my wife has the app on her phone, but it doesn't alarm because she's at work. She's not, you know, I'm watching Arden, you know, remotely basically, but my wife's not, but my wife wants to be able to check if she wants to, but she also doesn't need the alarms going off constantly. So you can set the follow-ups app, the follow apps up, follow-ups app, up app, up apps, apps. Did you hear that? That was crazy. You can set up the follow apps differently. So the mother of at the sleepover, I said, look, you know, I get told when Arden's blood sugar goes over 150, but I'm not going to bother you until it goes over 180. Because if I somehow sleep through the 150 alarm, and God knows Arden will definitely sleep through a 150 alarm, you'll be beeping and you're probably hyper aware. You'll get up and text me and we can do something about this high blood sugar. Now, there were no real high blood sugars that night. There were two times when Arden ate where we got spikes, but we took care of them very quickly. Again, because of the Dexcom and now because of the Dexcom share, comfortable being really kind of bold with the insulin, even though she's not with me and not with somebody who really understands the blood sugars that well. Um, Arden went to bed at a good number, you know, a number I was really happy with. She actually got low by low for us. I mean, she was under 80 around 6.15 in the morning. And I'll tell you, my phone beeped. I got up, I started looking at it and maybe... 20 seconds passed and the mom from the sleepover was like, Arden's blood sugar's low. And I was like, boom, look at this is working, you know? So I talked her through, uh, through text messages. I was like, you got to go get her to drink a half of a juice box and she'll do it in her sleep. Just kind of put it up to her face and say, Arden, I need you to drink a half a juice box. Your blood sugar's low. I said, she'll do it. And she did. And Arden gets up in the morning and has breakfast with the girls, you know, an hour and a half later, her blood sugar's like 125. Could not have worked better. And it is all because of this technology. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that prior to technology like this, none of what happened at that sleepover would have happened the way it did. That kind of brings me to the idea of the cost, not the cost of the technology. Well, it is expensive if you don't have insurance. But the idea that a lot of people's insurance are still not covering this. Hey, everybody, just real quick before I start yelling at insurance companies about covering continuous glucose monitors, if you are enjoying the Juicebox podcast, I would like to ask you to please go to iTunes and give it a great review. Thank you very much. Also, follow the Juicebox podcast on social media, at Juicebox Podcast. That's Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can follow my type 1 diabetes parenting blog, Arden's Day, at ardensday.com or pretty much anywhere on social media at Arden's Day. Okay, now I'm going to climb up on my soapbox and scream at some insurance companies. I just want to go on record right now. You know, I don't know if anyone's listening who works at an insurance company or has any pull at insurance companies, but it is so incredibly short-sighted not to cover this device for people who have type 1 diabetes. I mean, you really are, you're stupid if if you think that this isn't a necessary device for the people who want it. Let me, let me explain in the different ways that you're a moron if you're an insurance company and think this shouldn't be covered. 
First of all, you're not just covering my child, you're covering me too. I'm an insured person also. The ability to see my daughter's blood sugar without getting out of bed has changed my sleeping patterns immensely. I used to be a person who would get up in the middle of the night, even though I didn't have to test my daughter's blood sugar, I had to get up, wake myself up, walk across the house, push a button, you wait, you see the number. Most times there was nothing to do. But, you know, you get a little beep, oh, it beeps, she's slightly higher than she should be or slightly lower, and you get up and you check that. Now I look over at my phone on my on my side table, I don't have to really wake up completely, and I don't have to get out of bed. I'm getting more complete sleep. I was, in the past, getting very, very broken sleep. And I'll tell you that there are times when I've laid in bed at 3 o'clock in the morning, haven't gotten up, you know, three times now to check on something diabetes-related, and laid there and felt so tired that, you know, the other night I thought to myself, this is it. Like my heart was racing. I was exhausted. My eyes hurt. And I thought, if I have a heart attack right now, I'm not going to be surprised by it. Like that's how tired I am. I, I feel like I could just shut off right now. So you're protecting me if you're the insurance company too, because maybe giving my daughter a Dexcom CGM will keep you from having to give me serious medical care earlier in my life than you should have to. There's one reason. Here's the second reason. I'm telling you I never get Arden's blood sugar to react the way it reacts now without a CGM. And that flat out means that her A1C, which had been as high as in the nines when she was diagnosed, and then I got it down into the eights, and then we figured out some diet stuff, and I got it down into the sevens, but it was stuck in the sevens until CGM came. Last time we measured Arden's you know, A1C at her last quarterly endo appointment it was 5.9. Now, you can't tell me, if you're the insurance company, that you don't see a genuine value in having children and people with type 1 diabetes, A1Cs, be lower for your long-term you know, bottom line. It's just better. There's a less of a chance of my daughter needing further insurance coverage if you just let her take good care of herself now. So you're saving yourself money, which God knows I feel like that might be the only thing you care about, but... In case there's a soul inside of you, what about just the fact that you're letting someone be healthy? You know, what about the fact that when your blood sugar is a little high and you feel cloudy or nauseous or tired, that that's not you? The, the, these, I'm so upset. The Dexcom CGM allows my daughter to be who she really is. It allows her to be herself. Not a person who's acting the way they're acting because their blood sugar's high. Or not a person who's acting the way they're acting because their blood sugar's low. Just her. She's ardent because her blood sugar is in a range and it's more stable because of this device. If you're not covering this device, shame on you. If you're a person who's been turned down for this device, I really, and you want it, I hope you find the energy and the time to push back and push back and push back over and over and over again until you get what your child or you deserve. And that is, if you want a continuous glucose monitor and you're going to use it, you deserve it. If you're insured and you can't get one, I hope you raise such a stink that eventually someone just buckles and says, fine, here, take it. Because I'm going to tell you right now, it might not be the norm to have one of these right now. One day soon, you're going to get one of these things at the hospital. You have type 1 diabetes while you were sleeping. We put this thing on your hip. It's it's coming like that. It is going to be such a normal part of having diabetes. 
And you shouldn't be punished for just being diagnosed or living in a time before insurance and medical wraps their stupid heads around that fact. So please, if you want it and you've been turned down, fight like hell for it. I mean, really be a pain in the ass until you, until you get what you want. I mean, any way you can think to do it. Get your endocrinologist on your side. Letters written, you know, letters of medical necessity. You know, do whatever you can do. Whatever you can do to force them to do it because you deserve it and they should. Hey, just a quick show note. If you're enjoying all this talk about CGM in the cloud, you definitely want to come back for episode eight next week. I'm going to have a long conversation with John Kostick. And John was one of the original members of the Night Scout Project. So uh, episode eight next week, stop back. Dexcom G5. That's the next version of the Dexcom receiver, which is not out yet. Okay. But I guess things are going along so well with these FDA submissions. It has just been submitted to the FDA the other day. So I'm going to refer to an article called Dexcom Gen 5 from diatribe.org. Now, just real quick, um, this is a plug from me, but you know, not a paid advertisement. If you are not getting your diabetes news from diatribe.org, you are making a mistake. This is a website run by a few of what I might consider to be some of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. And it's headed up by a, a woman named Kelly Close. And Kelly is a type 1 diabetic herself. And I can tell you that Kelly's the kind of thoughtful, caring person who's also brilliant. You don't meet very often in life. I, I, I count myself as a fairly intelligent person, and if I'm with Kelly too long, like I walk away feeling like I'm dumb because she's just amazing. And my, my best story about Kelly is I was in a conference with her one time. She was sitting next to me, and we were talking about some pretty heady diabetes stuff. And she's got her laptop in front of her, and she's typing, 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 typing. And she looks up to be involved in the conversation, but her fingers keep going. So she's now having a conversation with a group of people about one topic. And I just, I have to see. So I sneak a look at her laptop. She's writing about something completely different at the same time. And I thought, oh my God, this woman is brilliant. And I just love her. And this is a, is a website you should know about. Diatribe, D-I-A-T-R-I-B-E.org. After Ardensday.com, you should go to Diatribe. Um, Anyway, let's let's just plagiarize. We'll read right from the website. In its February financial update, Dexcom announced the filing of its much-anticipated Gen 5 mobile system with the FDA. Assuming things go well, we would be cautiously optimistic for approval before the end of the year. That's 2015. This system will include a new Bluetooth transmitter, an iPhone app. It says the Android app is in development. And an optional share receiver. Most notably, Gen 5 will bring CGM data straight into a phone app via Bluetooth, eliminating the requirement for a receiver. Okay, so I told you five minutes ago, Dexcom Share 2 from the transmitter on your body to the receiver that has Bluetooth capability to speak to your phone, and then the phone speaks to the cloud, and then the cloud speaks back down to other people. This is telling you that the transmitter itself, they figured out a way to build the Bluetooth technology into the transmitter. So now it's from your body to the transmitter, which is on your body, directly to a phone. You would not need to carry the Dexcom receiver with you if you didn't want to. Alarms, hold on. This is for Arden. It's a post-lunch check-in. 
So post-launch check-in used to be a text message, but now I will just open the app and I don't need to talk to her. So there you go. It eliminated Arden being bothered at school. Um, okay, back to it. So now this is the elimination of the need for the receiver. Now it says you can still carry the receiver if you want to, but you don't need it. So now at the moment iPhone, but I'm trust me, the Android's coming. By the end of 2015, Android, iPhone, it's going to all be the same thing. That's me talking. Um, now we're talking about from your transmitter right to your phone. This is crazy, right? So there's not even a receiver to pull out. And if you stop and think about it, and I've already seen a mock-up picture of it, you're also talking about from the transmitter right to a smartwatch. So Apple Watch will be out next month. They're expensive, yes, but if you have one, now you're talking about being able to just to turn your wrist and see your blood sugar right on your wrist. That's a pretty crazy leap from a few years ago where I'm in my house staring at my daughter trying to wonder what her blood sugar is. Okay, let's keep reading from the Diatribe article. Um, based on screenshots we saw in January, the app's design and display will, ha will, be, will have been significantly revamped from the G4 Platinum receiver. Gen 5 will use the same G4 Platinum sensor and the just launched software, the 505 software. Notably, the company is working with Apple on a watch app, see, and existing share system, as well as for G Gen 5. The first version is expected out around April. Hmm. Not sure what that meant. Let's go back and read that again. Notably, the company is working with Apple on a watch app for the existing share system. Got it. So the existing share system will be Sounds like it's going to work with the um, with the watch as soon as the watch comes out. Okay, uh, keep reading. Dexcom's G4 Platinum Share Receiver, which received FDA approval in January, is expected to launch earlier this month, which now we know it has. Um, that's what all patients are going to get moving forward, blah, blah, blah. Um, there you go. Okay, diatribe.org, first of all, if, you, if you're looking for type 1 or type 2 diabetes news from people that you can really trust to be well thought out, well-researched, excellent communicators in writing, and just some of the most brilliant, well-meaning, and delightful people I've ever met in my life. Okay. So now, Gen 5's been submitted to the FDA. The Really, the only thing they're testing here is whether or not the transmitter Bluetooth works. I mean, there's not a lot here to be... There's not a lot here to be gone over. It's not crazy to think that this is going to be approved sooner than they're even saying. I mean, they're talking about let's hope for the end of 2015, but trust me, two months ago, they were thinking that about the, the, the generation four. So who knows now that the FDA is rolling along, giving these approvals out, how quick this may come. It's just a lot of good news. Okay. So let me go over my notes here. I think I've talked about most of what I want to talk about. Um, let's talk about a couple of other things that, um, just their little wants for the system, and hopefully we'll see them soon. Right now, you get a notification banner that comes up on your phone, right? And when you see it, I swipe, and that opens up the phone. You know, if I either have to use my thumbprint or type in my, you know, my password, and then the the Dexcom follow app opens up. I have to be honest. I realize there's probably some convoluted FDA, you know, patient rights reason why this couldn't be but I really wish the blood sugar would just come up on the banner. Like when, when I get a notification 
um, a pop-up alert, I wish the blood sugar was just there. I would just like to look down, see the arrow, see the number, and be done with it. Hopefully that's something that can come. Also, at the moment, it doesn't pop up in Notification Center, and I would really enjoy that. I would like to, to uh, see the blood sugars um, kind of retrospectively in, in Notification Center. There is one feature that I think is kind of glaringly missing. You know, when the Dexcom receiver gives you that blood drop indication, which says it, it wants to be calibrated, you know, there are times when you'll calibrate and the number that you test and get is still very similar to the CGM, but there's also times that the, the glucose monitor gets pretty far off of where your blood sugar actually is. There's no option on the follow app to see that the receiver's asking for calibration. There should definitely be a blood drop icon that pops up on the follow app because I'm making decisions based on what I'm seeing on the follow app as to whether or not I need to go address a blood sugar. And if it's a, a 150 blood sugar, I might let it go. But if it's 150 and looking for calibration, well, then I might take the time to test the blood sugar there and make sure the CGM is being accurate. Uh, what else would I like to see? I mean, there's not a lot to improve here. It really does work the way you would expect it to. A, a few times I've had connectivity issues with the follow app, but they've always been cleared up by me either closing the app and reopening it or I think a couple of times last week I had to text Arden and ask her to um, open and close her app uh, on the share side to get it back up. But it has not been an overwhelming issue by any stretch of the imagination, and I'm sure that's something that's either a problem with cell service or something that can be fixed in future versions of the applications. Um, this all is new for us, so it's a little too soon to tell what impact it's having on Arden, if any. You know, I don't 100% know if she's now thinking in the back of her head, hey, my dad can see my blood sugar now, maybe I don't have to pay as close attention to it, which would not be what I would be hoping for. But so far, I don't see that. But I'm going to keep an eye out and I'll let you know uh, when the time's right, when I have good data and I can talk to you about it. Um, oh, the, uh, the share app that the person with diabetes would have on their phone, it actually connects to the health app on the iPhone and it reports information back. I've just set that up yesterday, so I don't have any real feedback for you about how that works, but you can go into the share app settings and allow it to talk to the health app. And then you got to go into the health app and I think, and turn it on. But after you've done that, you know, you're going to get feedback in the health app. I don't know what it's going to be yet, but um, it's definitely worth looking into and giving it a try. And that's what we're doing right now. I don't have any real answers about it. So I, I mentioned earlier, that I think next week's episode, if all the timing works out, I'm going to be speaking to a man named John Kostick. And John is one of the original people involved in the Night Scout project. So just real quickly, Night Scout is a bunch of civilians who just hacked their way into the Dexcom receiver before the share was available and kind of set this CGM in the cloud thing up before it was okayed by the FDA. I'm pretty sure that Dexcom has, has said out loud, and I'm saying it's my opinion, that the work they did pushed the FDA to get this stuff out quicker. I'm completely um, grateful for that, as as if you're using the Dexcom share too, you, you should be too. I don't think that Arden would have a share um, receiver with her right now if it wasn't for the people at Night Scout kind of moving forward, saying, you know, we're not waiting and let, let's go. Like, you know, we're doing this even if the FDA won't let us. And I think that's really cool. I mean, you know, the FDA submission process is long. It's arduous. It's time-consuming. 
And it's long been, you know, it's long been uh, something to bemoan if you're a person with diabetes that, you know, overseas somebody's using an insulin pump two years ago that we don't even have yet and that, that kind of stuff, you know. Um, so good for them, man. Good for them for not waiting and for doing what they're going to do. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to have John come on the show and explain Night Scout from the beginning like I'm a moron because I want I really want to understand how it started I want to have John come on the show and explain Night Scout like from the beginning. Like I want to hear the steps. How did it start? How did it move forward? You know, what's happened since then? Um, you know, what are they planning on doing moving forward? I mean, do you really even need this anymore now that Dexcom's got their, their cloud thing going? He's going to probably tell me yes, and I want to hear why. Let's also talk for a second about the fact that the share system is only for iOS right now. I can't believe that a company would just throw their hands up in the air and say, I don't care about Android. I don't think that Dexcom doesn't care about Android. I don't think that they're not pushing forward as hard and as fast as they can. They had to have had some reason for going with iOS first. I know they're saying that by the end of two, 2015, Android, you know, the, the, the system will be working with Android, but I have to bet it'll be sooner than that. They're, they, they gain absolutely nothing by taking their time with this, they must be pushing forward as, as quickly as possible. That's my that's my thought. Um, which leads me sort of into kind of my last thought about all this. So I've always been a guy, probably like a lot of you, who's sort of been on the cutting edge of technology. You know, I, I um, I think I had, I you know, I was, <clears throat> I stood in the alley of an AT and T store to get my first iPhone on the day the first iPhone came out. I think I've had, you know, every other iPhone since then. You know, there's an iPad in the house. I do love technology. I mean, there's no way around that I'm I'm a technology geek, and I do quite enjoy it. But when you are that kind of a person, when you're super aware of what's out now and what's, you know, let's be honest, I mean, technology moves so quickly. It's what's out now, but what's coming next. You don't even care about what's coming next. Sometimes you care about what's coming after what's coming next because it's coming so quickly and the improvements are tenfold sometimes, you, you know, um, you just want it. You just want it. You, you want the next thing. And I think that there's a little bit of a, a disconnect there when you're a person like me and you want it, want it, want it right away because you don't want to wait. And when you know it's coming, it's hard. Like it's hard to wait when you know it's coming. So um, there are times when I think like just you need, I know you, you want this thing right away and you definitely should have it right away as soon as you can get it. But in the meantime, it's not like what you're using is garbage. You know, if you're using a Dexcom right now, G4 that doesn't have share in it, I mean, you still have amazing technology that you are using to help you with your type one diabetes. You are certainly not me sitting in my house, you know, in 2006, like staring at my daughter going, I wonder what Arden's blood sugar is now. I wonder what it is now. I wonder what it's going to be in 15 minutes. You're not, you're not, you know, you're not out in the cold like that. And it'll be here before you know it. I, I mean, just that's so cool. Like, I mean, I'm having the same feeling right now. I see the gen five has been submitted and it's that it's that weird feeling like the minute the next thing comes out, the thing you're holding in your hand just feels like garbage all of a sudden. And I know that's crazy because I have a, an iPhone 6, uh, a 6 Plus actually, which I really like. 
and you know Apple throws out you know their information about I uh, the Apple Watch the other day, and I look at it and I think I don't need that. Like I don't have any desire to have that. But then I ask myself, like, am I am I just like an old man? Like, did I finally hit the spot where I'm like, I don't understand why those kids need that stuff, or or what is it? Like, what am I not seeing? And maybe there's no need for it, or maybe there is, and I don't see it. But all I know is the minute I saw that picture of a watch, I don't even wear a watch. So I'm a person who doesn't wear a watch, who doesn't see any need for the Apple Watch. And I'm like, oh, I want to get that. I think I'd like to have an Apple Watch Um, for reasons I can't even quantify. Same thing with a 6 Plus, right? A 6 Plus, this summer, they'll, if Apple follows suit with what they've done, you know, so far... There'll be another 6 Plus. It'll have a little more memory or a faster processor. It'll change the glass or something. It, it won't be a big improvement over my phone. But I know that after after it comes out, I'll always look at my phone and think, uh, this piece of junk. I can't believe I'm stuck with this. But that's just ridiculous because it's a great cell phone. So same thing with the Dexcom. It's the same thing. You know, I the minute they say that the uh, the share's out, I'm looking at my daughter with her just her regular platinum, and I'm like, oh, that thing, we have to get rid of it. But it really is. It's fantastic equipment. Okay, listen, I hope you like this. I hope it, um, you know, I hope it made you think about CGM if you weren't using it. I hope that you know that if you're about to get it, you're in for a very easy setup and, and a nice user experience. Last thing, well, last thing, let's talk for a second. So, so this is episode seven. So there's been episode one, which was a interview with Adam Lasher. He was the guy that came out on American Idol uh, during the first few episodes this season. And he had a Dexcom CGM clip to his guitar strap. Thought that was really cool. Reached out to Adam. He gave me a great interview. That ended up being the first episode of this podcast. The second episode of the podcast, I just sort of talked about my hope for the podcast, my goal for it. In the third episode, I looked back at my type 1 diabetes parenting blog and said to myself, like, well, it's so much different than it is now. Like, you can see that my intentions when I started were very advocacy-based, and it has grown since then to be more community-oriented. Um, episode four, I talked about uh, texting Arden and her blood sugars. I called that episode Texting Diabetes. It's been very, very popular. And uh, we just talk about how Arden and I communicate when she's not with me, which of course is going to be changed slightly now with the advent of the Dexcom share too. Then all of a sudden I look up and Ryan Reed, who's a guy who has type one diabetes and NASCAR driver wins a Daytona race. And I was like, Hey, he'd be great to have on the podcast. And guess what? He was episode five, Ryan Reed interview. I think you might really like that too. Then in episode six, I had my first conversation with another D parent, which is something, um, you know, I've talked about in past episodes, if you're a, uh, the parent of a child with type 1 and you're interested in getting on the show and having a chat, that's exactly what I'd like to do. So I meet this lovely woman named Sarah williams Curran, and Sarah's got a great story. Her daughter was diagnosed in 2012, and her just genuine desire to give her daughter something to drink during the day that was sweet but didn't need insulin led her to developing a organic lemonade that became a business, which is insane. So... Um, her business is called Leaf and Love Organic Lemonade, and we are running a giveaway for the lemonade right now on Ardensday.com and JuiceBoxPodcast.com. You can enter that giveaway up until midnight Eastern Time on March 20th, 2015. So head over and throw in your uh, an entry or two, and, and maybe you get some lemonade coming to your house. 
Before I go, I want to wish a very happy birthday to Sydney Muller. Sydney is the person who wrote and performed the music for the Juicebox podcast, and she turned 10 years old this week. Happy birthday, Sid. 